This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. In the 40s and early 50s, two of the biggest names in comedy were making a killing. Straight man Bud Abbott and his plump burlesque trained partner Lou Costello made millions with their wacky comedy. Their patter routine of Who's On First is one of the best-known comedy routines of all time and set the framework for many of their best-known comedy bits. Tonight, Lou gets into trouble as he tries to be a good employee at Melonhead's department store. Costello program starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello brought to you by Camel, the cigarette of costlier, properly aged tobacco. The Abbott and Costello program with the modern rhythm of Will Osborne and his orchestra, Iris Adrian, our singing star Connie Hayes, and spotlighting that chubby, chunky little cherub who, when caught trying to rent his kid brother to a freak show because he heard his mother say he had grown another foot, calmly said, I'm a Well, Costello, late again. Here I get you a nice job in Melonhead's department store, and on the very first day you come in late for work. Well, what's your excuse this time? Well, Abbott, I've been out on Hollywood Boulevard, and I was watching a Santa Claus play. And what a play! I know that. First came the big bunch of movie stars, and then came Santa Claus, and after Santa Claus came the beautiful Lady Godiva on a big white horse. Well, what came after Lady Godiva? The cops. The cops. (laughs) Oh! Stop talking like a child. Horses in a Christmas parade. Oh, they had all kinds of animals in the parade, Abbott. You should have seen that great big giraffe. Giraffe? Yeah, you know what, Abbott? What? I wish I was the body of a giraffe and Lana Turner was the head. You wish you were the body of a giraffe and Lana Turner was the head? Why? I always wanted the long neck with Lana Turner. (laughs) Costello, get get busy and dust off those counters. Come on. No, you dust off the counters. Get over there and dust them off. Abbott, I've got to hang up this sign. Oh, boy, isn't that a beautiful sign? What does it say? Look at it. Original gowns by Costello. Nifty creations, dresses, and capes for slender young figures and droopy old shapes. <laughs> C. Pierre Costello, the great French designer. <laughs> Wait a minute. How can you call yourself a French designer? I mean, designer. <laughs> have you ever been... Have you ever been to Paris? Oui, oui. I'm a well-known parasite. And... Uh... <laughs> And did you study the latest styles? We. Oui. Did you look over the French models? Wow! <laughs> I see. I see. In other words, you like mannequins. 
No, I like Gerlikins. You like Gerlikins? Yes, babykins. Uh, oh, talk fast. <laughs> Answer that. Okay, 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 okay. Hello? Melon Head's department store. Uh, pardon me, but do you have a large aluminum pot? Yes, I have. My heavens, how do you get your pants on? <laughs> Cup percolator. Now, what am I going to do with the pants? <laughs> I'm, I'm sick of talking to you. If you want me, I'll be in ladies' lingerie. You'll be where? I'll be in ladies' lingerie. Well, that's a nice picture. You're going to wear scanties for panties? No, no, no. Tommy, no. <laughs> I'm going over there to pick out a blouse for my wife. Uh, a peekaboo. A what? Peekaboo. Okay. Peekaboo! <laughs> I see you. I didn't know you liked to play kitty games. Look, will you shut up? I'm going to get my wife a blouse and a nice pair of mules. Pair of mules? Yes. I wonder what my wife would say to a pair of mules. Ah, she'd probably say like everybody else. Whoa, and giddy up. I'm talking about a pair of bedroom mules. Bedroom mules? Yes, my wife has all kinds of mules in her bedroom. Red mules, green mules. Why, she even has a pair of chicken mules. Hey, Abbott, do you see all those different colored mules with your own eyes? Well, certainly I see them every night. In fact, I saw them this morning. Let me smell your breath. Look, you dummy, doesn't your mother have mules in her bedroom? No, my father's very particular. Look, when your mother gets up in the morning, what does she put on her feet? Corn plastic. No, no, no. (laughs) She must have some kind of mules. There are two kinds of mules, silk and felt. Felt? Yes. Hasn't your mother felt mules? No, sir, she never touches any kind of animals. Forget about the animals. Every woman likes mules. Now, my wife uses a pair of mules to go around the house. What's the matter? Is she too lazy to walk? <laughs> when she gets up in the morning, she always slips on her mule. Why don't she keep them out in the backyard? Why, my wife needs her mules uh, to keep her feet warm. You mean you all sleep in the same bed? <laughs> sleep in the same bed. My wife keeps her mules under the bed. For goodness sakes, don't the board of health say nothing? Look, that settles it. I'm going right up to Mr. Mellahan's office and tell him that you're not fit to work in a department store. Please don't do it, Abbott. Why not? Don't make me lose my job. Well, I should. I'm trying to make some Christmas money to buy my dear old mother a present. What do you mean? I wanted to get her a little pet squirrel. You want to buy, buy a little squirrel for your mother? Yes, Abbott. I figured he could help her with the housework and do the dusting. Now, wait a minute. A little uh, bit of squirrel. Wait a minute. How could a squirrel help your mother with the dusting? We just tie up his tail and let him run between the Venetian blinds. Oh, that's... Thank you, Bud and Lou. presents Will Osborne and his orchestra. From Will's new picture, Swing Parade of 1946, just a little fond affection.
Costello, Costello, stop that pounding. Hey, well, I'm hanging up this poem I wrote over the mothballs. What does it say? Here. There once was a man named Fraser. The moss got into his blazer. They chewed up his coat and they chewed up his pants and they swallowed his shorts for a chaser. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's, that's all right. Hey, wait a minute. A young woman just walked in. See what she wants. Hello, boys. Oh, Abbott. It's the movie actress, Bessie May Mucho. <laughs> Can I wait on you, Miss Mucho? Yes. I came in here to do a little Christmas shopping. Shopping? <laughs> yes. I would like to purchase a diamond-studded platinum compact. Compact? Oh, sure, Abby. You know what a compact is. That's what the girls carried their lip brows and face pooder in. <laughs> I would like to have the compact wrapped as a gift. You'll wrap it carefully, won't you? Oh, I'll wrap it very carefully. I'll tie some tween around it. I'll put it in some colored wrapping paper. Oh, that will be splendid. And send the package to my winter home in Sun Bowling. Hey, yeah, but you get that? We're going to send the package to her winter home in Sun Bowling. Sun Bowling? Yes, I go boat sledding all winter. Boat sledding? Yes, don't you just love to go boat sledding? No, I'd rather go toboganing in the snow. <laughs> Well, I must be going now. And a uh, bonsoir to you. And a crepe suzette to you. <laughs> hey, Abbott, imagine that dame trying to fool me with French words. Yeah. Listen to this. Ours deserves filet mignon, pommy de terre, and demi Is that all you know? I only had the 35-cent dinner. <laughs> oh, hey, Costello. Hey, Costello. <laughs> Costello, here comes your girlfriend. Lean against her. Ah, there you are, you beer barrel pole cat. <laughs> I came down the aisle and saw you talking to that dame. I can't help it, Lena. I guess it's the Van Johnson in me. <laughs> Bow your head when you say those two sacred words. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Lena. What has Van Johnson got that I haven't got? What else? <laughs> Nose to the grindstone. 
Must have been a butte when you started. <laughs> I think you let your head get on it a little bit, too. Never mind about my head. Look, Mr. Bellinet, why don't you give the boy another chance? Come on, give him a break. He's all right. All right, Abbott, I will. Costello, I'm going to show you how to be a salesman. Now, there's a counter over there with 100 umbrellas on it. They sell for $5 a piece. Okay. Now, Mellonhead, nobody wants to pay $5 for umbrella. That's where salesmanship comes in. You've got to make them buy it. Now, I'll pretend that I'm a customer, and when I come up, you sell me one of those umbrellas. Now, here I come. Okay. Good morning, clerk. I'd like to buy an umbrella. I can let you have one for $5. $5? That's too much money. You mean you don't want it? No. See, I tell you nobody wants to pay $5 for an umbrella. <laughs> no, 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 you idiot, you moron. You've got to sell me on the umbrella. Why don't you pay attention to me, Costello? Stop eating those powder puffs. Powder puffs? I thought they were marshmallows. <laughs> well, they are powder puffs. Then I'll eat some of these lifesavers. Put those down. Those are corn plasters. They are? Yes. No wonder every time I hiccup, I taste mercuric rum. <laughs> Pay attention to me. I'm trying to teach you salesmanship for my store. And here I come again. Good morning, clerk. I'd like to buy an umbrella. Oh, back again, eh? What do you mean, back again? I've never been in here before. I swear you were just in here. I never figured a face. Especially a long face like yours. <laughs> Never mind about the length of my face. What an idiot you are. Get out from behind that counter. I'll be the clerk and you be the customer. Now, okay. you come up and ask for an umbrella and I'll show you how to sell umbrellas. Okay, here I come. Good morning, clerk. Good morning. Would you like to buy an umbrella? No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks? Then in heaven's name, what did you come in here for? It's raining outside. <laughs> Listen to me, you dummy. You want an umbrella. Umbrella. Shame on you. We never call them umbrellas here in California. What do you call them? Fog sticks. Oh. <laughs> You're nothing, You're nothing but a confounded idiot. Now you go out the front door, come in here again, and believe me, I'm going to make you buy an umbrella for $5. You are? Yes. I'm going to make you buy it. I'll show you what salesmanship really means. Now, get out that door and come in again. All right, Costello, come in. Costello. Costello, come in. Will you please come in? Mellon has department store. Uh, this is Costello. Costello. For heaven's sakes, where are you? I'm across the street at drugstore. What are you doing over there? You're not going to stick me with no $5 umbrella. I can buy one over here for 39 cents. <laughs> Camel fans everywhere, lovely little Connie Haynes sings, It Might As Well Be Spring. I'm as restless as a willow in a windstorm. I'm as jumpy as a puppet on a string. I'd say that I have spring fever, but I know it isn't spring. I'm starry-eyed and vaguely discontented Like a nightingale without a song to sing Oh, why should I have spring fever When it isn't even spring I keep wishing I was somewhere else Walking down a strange new street Hearing words that I have never heard 
from a man I'm yet to meet. I'm as busy as a spider spinning daydreams. I'm as giddy as a baby on a wing. I haven't seen a crocus or a rosebud or a robin on the wing. But I feel so gay in a melancholy way that it might as well be spring. It might as well be Costello, what are you doing up here in the toy department? Why aren't you working? Oh, Abbott, I love toys. Just look at this cute little electric train. Hi. Yes, yes, I... <laughs> that was an electric train. What, what were you doing with that train? I thought I saw an empty seat. I... like a little kid. I ought to buy you a doll and some games. Just get me a doll. I'll think up the games. <laughs> You'd better not let Mr. Mellonhead catch you fooling around up here. Oh, yeah? I'd like to see him walking here right now. I'd, I'd tell him where to get off. Uh-huh. Oh, so you're going to tell me where to get off, eh, Costello? Yes, Mellonhead. Where do you live? 6500 Hollywood Boulevard. Well, you get off at Vine Street. You... <laughs> Come here, you apprentice moron. Do you realize you haven't sold a thing all day? I'm going to give you one last chance, Costello. Here comes one of my store's best customers. Now see if you can wait on her. Okay. Come on, Costello. Oh, oh, how do you do, Mrs. Nile? Hello, Mr. Abbott. My, I see you have a new washing machine on display. Oh, pardon me, it's Costello. The tub fooled me. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Niles, I don't want to have any discussions with you. Not during the happy Yuletide Steve season. Every time I talk to you, I have an awful time holding my temper in. Well, that's silly, Costello, holding your temper in and letting the rest of you spread all over the place. <laughs> oh, I wish you hadn't said that, Mrs. Niles. I was just about to say you're beautiful as a summer sky. Your eyes are like your twinkling stars. Your hair is like cloud kissed by moonbeam. Your slender white neck is like the Milky Way. In your mouth. Yes, yes, my mouth. Your mouth hangs open like the Big Dipper. <laughs> oh, Costello, I refuse to talk to you. Miss Rabbit, I'd like to get something for my husband, Kenneth, that'll make him very happy. Where are you going to get a new face? Right. <laughs> All right, Costello, that's enough. Uh, tell me, Mrs. Niles. Could we interest you for uh, some friend in the service? Why, yes. Now, what could you suggest for a soldier about 35? A blonde, about 21. (laughs) I am not talking to you, Costello. Miss Rabbit, there's another present I have to get. Oh, it's... 
<laughs> it's for an old flame of mine I used to run around with when I was a young girl. If you ran around with him when you were a young girl, you'd better get him a bowl. A bowl? Yeah, and something to soak his bread in. <laughs> oh. Oh. Mr. Everett, I'll, I'll never forget dear Ralph. You know, he and two other boys, Roger and Grant, proposed to me one night, but I turned them all down. Yeah. Oh, you know, it made them so unhappy that the very next day, Roger took strychnine, Ralph took arsenic, and Grant took Richmond. <laughs> oh, oh, I've taken just about enough from you, Costello. I'm leaving the store and I'm never coming back. Goodbye. So, Costello, you insult my best customer. That does it. Get your hat and coat and get out. Go on, here's your week's salary. Just a minute. This doesn't look like a full week's salary. Where do I count it? Go on. 10, 20, 30. 41, 42, 43. It's all here. 43 cents. <laughs> no Christmas bonus? All right, here's a bonus. 44 cents I got now. Right. <laughs> all right, now get out. Well, I warned you, Costello. Now you're fired. What are you going to do? I'm not going to lose my temper. Not around Christmas time anyway. I'm going to return good for evil. I'm going to spend all my salary right here in this very store. Oh, I don't know how you do it, Costello. Mrs. Niles is mad at you, your girlfriend is mad at you, and now Melonhead is mad at you. But there's one person in this world that loves me. That's my Uncle Artie Stebbins' wife, my Aunt Annie. Come on, Abbott. I'm going to buy her something at the cosmetic counter. Pardon me, gentlemen. Is there anything I can do for you? We carry a full line of cosmetics. Rouge, lipstick, face cream, and cleansing tissue. Cleansing what? Tissue, tissue. Well, it seems kind of silly, but if you want to tiss me, go ahead. <laughs> you tiss me and I'll tiss you. All right, all right, Costello, let, please, let me handle this. Look, madam, my friend here is a little confused. He doesn't know what to get his Aunt Annie for Christmas. Well, maybe I can help. What kind of a complexion does she have? Is she fair, dark, or medium? Oh, she has a peach complexion. A peach complexion? Yeah, yellow and fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> well, from the description of this lady, I imagine she could use one of our facial kits. One of your what? The lady wants to sell you a kit. What I want to buy a kit for? I'm going to get married and have kits of my own. Well, you don't understand. This is a beauty kit with full instructions. All this lady has to do is apply some of this lotion. Then she covers her face with the white of an egg, some sour cream, and a cake of yeast. She did that once. Well, what happened? The next morning, she broke out in biscuits. Oh! <laughs> now, you silly boy, you tickle me. Now, you tickle me first. Stop that. <laughs> Costello, if you don't buy something pretty soon, I'm going to walk out on you. Well, just a minute, boys. How about something for the lady's hair? Does she have a snood? Certainly she's got a snood. Well, um, is it a short snood that hangs down her back? No, it's a long snood that hangs down over her chin. <laughs> Castella, the lady is talking about her aunt's hairdo. Yes. What's your aunt's hairdo? What does her hairdo? Yes. Comes out when she comes here. <laughs> now, Castella, we're trying to find out how she does her hair. Does she pile it on the top of her head or does she drop it down her neck? She hangs it up in a closet. No. <laughs> Look, Castella. Does she wear her hair off her face? No, it takes too long to wear it off. She has to pull it out with tweezers. <laughs> Look, miss, please. Costello's aunt is short and fat, just like him. Oh, I've got just the present for her. Our special weight-reducing machine called the Melt Your Belt Away Fat Cabinet. There it is, standing right over there. Lady, those things are a big fake. Now, Costello, how can you call a thing a fake without trying it? Uh, how much does your aunt weigh? 240 pounds with a girdle on. Well, how much does she weigh with it off? I don't know. She could never get it off. Well, now, this machine is absolutely guaranteed to take the weight off, no matter how fat you are. If you're skeptical, young man, why don't you get into the machine and try it yourself? Now, that's fair enough. Go ahead, get into the machine. 
And we'll find out if it works. Wait a minute, Abbott. No, no. Now, no. go on, get Abbott. in there. Get no, in there. Go on, get in there. Now, that's a good boy. Uh, now, we'll turn on the machine, and you'll see how it melts the fat away in no time. Uh, Costello. Costello, where are you? I'm right. Speak to me. Where are you? I'm right here, Rabbit. Uh, but all I can see is a little puddle of water. Well, don't step in it. It's me. Rabbit <laughs> and Costello will be back for Camel Cigarettes in just a moment. And now, this week's salute in the new series of salutes to the men who won the victory. Tonight, we salute the 36th. Texas Division, heroes of Salerno, Casino, France, and Germany. In your honor, men of the Texas Division, the makers of camels are sending to your fellow servicemen overseas 500,000 camel cigarettes. Each of the two camel radio shows thus honors the different units of the Army, Navy, Marines, and Coast Guard. A total of a million camels sent free each week. Camel broadcasts go out to the United States twice a week are rebroadcast to practically every area in the world where our men are stationed, and in cooperation with the Good Neighbor Policy, also to Central and South America. Listen next Thursday when Camel again presents Abbott and Costello. And I'll hear about Abbott and Lou Costello with the final word. Ladies and gentlemen, we have had many complaints that the program is too short. So uh, we'd like to ask you a question. Ladies and gentlemen, what would you say if starting next week, you could hear a full hour of Abbott and Costello. Oh, no, not that! Anything but that! Oh, how much did a guy stand? Oh. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, you! Hey, you think you're pretty smart interrupting us every week. Huh? Yeah, I've been around. I'd like to ask you a question. Go There's ahead. a mule on one side of the river. On the other side is a bale of hay. The river's 40 feet deep. How does the mule get the hay? I give up. That's what the other jackass did, huh? Good night, folks. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. And don't forget, buy, buy all the victory bonds you possibly can at your local theater. Get all you possibly can. Buy more and more. Come on, everybody. in Another great Abbott and Costello show brought to you by Camel Cigarettes. And remember, try camels in your tea zone. See if they don't suit your taste, your throat, to a tea. More and more veterans of the war are being returned to civilian life every day. Many already have civilian jobs. Others are looking for jobs. Here are a few simple facts that every veteran, every employer, indeed every American should know. The average veteran will make a far better employee than before the war. His selection for service in the armed forces proved his physical and mental soundness. His training in the armed forces has probably given him special skills and know-how, useful in many civilian jobs. His service in the armed forces has given him the discipline, self-reliance, and maturity that are invaluable ingredients of success. Hmm. The Abbott and Costello Show for Camel Cigarettes will be back at this very same time next week. Don't miss it. This is Ken Niles in Hollywood, wishing you all a pleasant good night. Stay tuned for The Saint next on Theater of the Mind. 
You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Vincent Price's face and voice was familiar to many through his work in radio on the silver screen and television. Let me take you back to 1951 for the episode, The Ghost Who Came for Dinner. Adventures of the Saints, starring Vincent Price. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charter and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes transcribed to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as... The Saint. Hey, Mr. Templer. Yes, Louie? Starting to rain. So it is. You couldn't get a dinner back in town. You had to travel all the way out of here in the country to eat? Louie, I was invited to a dinner party, and Long Island is hardly the country. It's full of trees, ain't it? Uh, true. This does happen to be a rather lonely spot, but the rain is getting heavier, too. I should have stood in Brooklyn. Oh, I'm sorry, Louie. What is a cabbie from Brooklyn doing out here in the middle of nature? Well, he seems to be driving a cab. I... Hey, uh, Louie. Yeah? Is it possible that the roof of your cab leaked? <laughs> it's possible. It's leaking. On you? On me. Well, after all, Mr. Temple, according to the chemistry books, were composed of 98% water anyway. Perhaps. I find the percentage high enough without any additions, however. <laughs> There's no extra charge. <laughs> We've got... Hey, Mr. Temple, the motor. Uh, it stopped. Yeah, so I noticed. Discouragement. No, it's possible the hood leaks, too. Yeah, that's nice. No, don't blame the motor. After all, it ain't composed 98% water. It shortly will be. <laughs> While we sit here and calmly contract pneumonia. Who's calm? Look, Mr. Temple, you know something? This could be the beginning of like a real horror story. It's the nighttime where two guys stuck out here in the wilderness. Long Island. The rain is raining, the thunder is thundering, and I'm scared. You know what ought to happen next? If this was a horror story... <laughs> That's what ought to happen next. It did. Oh, sound came from the left through those trees. Yeah. Oh, hey, I see lights. It must be a house. Doesn't seem very far away. But that's where the dog yelled from, huh? Yes, except that judging from the sound, the dog was outside. That's strange. Why would a dog be out in this downpour? Maybe he read a book on chemistry. Or maybe he's just leading the dog's life. <laughs> that was a joke, I think. Yeah. Well, I may laugh later at this moment. There's someone running down the road. Yeah, from the direction of the house. Look, he's heading for us. Hey. I hope you don't mind, but can you give me a lift back to Glenville? Oh, we'd be glad to, except that we're stuck here ourselves. However, you can join us inside. It's slightly less damp. Thanks. But I won't stay long. I don't care for a neighborhood. Yeah, how did you get here? I'm a cab driver. Well, where's your cab? Back there. That house? Yeah. The Hawthorne place. Well, why didn't you take your cab when you left? Because I was in a hurry. Because there was things closer to the cab than I was. What kind of thing? Listen, young man. Nobody lives in the Hawthorne house. Nobody's lived there for over a hundred years. So tonight, back in town, I picked up a fare and where does he want to go? The Hawthorne house. 
I'm an old fool, so I take him there. He gets out of the house, tells me to wait, goes inside. I walk around to stretch my legs. Then I notice the house is all lit up. I think that's mighty queer. But I figure maybe somebody new bought the place. Well, perhaps someone did. No, because I go around to the side, and I look into the house through the big front window, and I see who's in the house. It ain't anybody new. Oh, who was it? It was the folks who used to live in that house a hundred years ago. And what was worse, they were sitting around a table eating dinner. Oh, I see. You say they were the people who lived there a hundred years ago. Well, how could you know that? Because of the way they was dressed. Because of the way they looked. Mister, I've lived in Glenville all my life. And there's pictures of the Hawthorns going way back in the Glenville Town Hall. Well, perhaps the people you saw were descendants of the original Hawthorns. Sure, sure, except nobody dresses that way anymore. Except that one of them was bleeding onto the tablecloth with his throat cut open, and another was putting food into his mouth, only he didn't have a face around that mouth. Look, you're uh, positive you didn't imagine... All right, I imagined it. I'm crazy. Think whatever you like. But me, I'm getting out of here. So long. Hey. Let's just get out of here, too, Louie. Hmm? Oh, that's swell with me. Are we going to walk to Glenville? No, I'd like to take a look at that house. Why? Well, we may still be in time for dinner. <laughs> Mr. Templer, I ain't hungry. And besides, that guy might still maybe be bleeding. I doubt it. You do, huh? Why? You're forgetting we're 98% water, aren't you? Oh, that answer's supposed to cheer me up. The dog I'm worrying about, Louie. Why? Well, out here, a dog would be kept for companionship, protection. Therefore, why was that dog put out in the rain? I'd just as soon forget the dog. <coughs> oh, somebody is busy not paying attention to me. Oh, hey, that's the house, huh? Yeah, obviously. Colonial architecture, large, rather pretty. Brilliantly lit with colonial electricity. Candles, Louie. Huh? You can see them through that large window. Chandeliers ablaze with candles. I can't see anything else except the ceiling. Oh, that must be the dining room. Yeah, probably. Mr. Templer, is all this real? It seems to be. Hey, uh, bell pull on the door, huh? Mm. The dog don't like our ringing the bell. Look, Mr. Temple, look. An elephant with teeth. It's a large dog. It's drenched. Look out for your hand. You could easily swallow it. He... Oh, look, now he's heading for me. Mr. Temple, did I have to come all the way out here to feed a dog? Oh, don't be silly, Louie. He likes you. He's looking up at yeah, you. Yeah, trying to decide which part to start on. Louie, there's positively a light in his eyes. For all you know, you may be his ideal. Yeah, sure. His ideal dog food. Oh, get down. Mr. Temple, leave us go inside, huh? No one answered the bell. I wonder. Oh, it's open. Hey, look, the pooch. He's leaving. That's strange. He sounds terrified. But of what? I didn't say a thing. Hallway huh. seems empty. Let's go in. Oh. Kind of quiet. Yeah. Not even a chain clanking, not even a creaking. Hey, no, there's, what? there's a door down the hallway. It's uh, probably the dining room. I ain't hungry. House is old, dusty, unused. But there is a light. Maybe they forgot to turn the gas off when they all died or something. Uh-huh. It's the dining room. I ought to run up and buy some oil for the door. Large table in the center. Chairs all around. 
fight with a woman. Polish silver on the table. Plus dishes with food. Yeah. And food that's warm, Louis. Look, Mr. Templer, I don't like this. A house in which nobody's lived for a hundred years, miles from anywhere, all lit up with candles in the middle of the night, a table with fresh-cooked food on it, and there's no one, no one at all at the table. Unless, uh, unless we can't see them, Louis. Found a lot of cobwebs, Mr. Templin, a lot of empty rooms, but nothing to live in. Now, may as well head back to the dining room. Don't let your appetite tempt you. Probably by now all the food has vanished. Hey, listen to that sound. Yeah? Like dishes rattling? Yeah. Come on. Maybe maybe the guests all, all came back. They were in the house. It would mean they'd all have to rush out into the rain, but why? If they were thirsty, maybe. I don't know. Fuck it, do as a judge. Perhaps we can look in without being seen. Yeah. Hey. I don't believe it. A butler. An old guy dressed in clothes that belong in a museum. Look at, he's got knee pants on with lace cuffs. And at that table, where there's no one seated, he's serving dinner. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's just practicing. For what? I heard of ghost writers. Maybe he's a ghost butler. <laughs> Suppose we go in and find out, huh? Yeah. Good evening. Be still, if you please, be still. Is afraid we might disturb the guests? He's gathering some of the dishes. Going to the swinging door. Probably leads to the pantry. Look, he's waving on us. Can we wave back? No, he wants us to join him. Mm-hmm. Come along. Uh-huh. Serving pantry. I, uh, beg your pardon. Indeed you should. But uh, you are... Horton. Horton's the name, of course. But the footman must have told you that. The footman? Uh, Caleb, he let you in, didn't he? Shouldn't have directed you to the dining room, of course. But then he's getting old. You'd better go to your quarters at once. There, behind the main staircase. Glad you came along. We need you. Caleb isn't the man he used to be. But then he's been with the Hawthorns for so many years. I remember when he entered service. You do? It was the year old Boney got his toes toasted at Moscow. <laughs> <laughs> Old Boney. <laughs> Can't stand around gossiping all evening. Guests might notice. Uh, get to your quarters, man. I've work to do. Hey. Look, he ducked out. Yeah. The door's locked. Probably a spring latch, which means we may as well go back to the dining room. Huh? Look, you know, something's wrong with this whole thing. Mr. Templer, who is Old Boney? Huh? Oh, that happens to be the nickname the English had for Napoleon, Louis. Oh, fine. So Horton says he remembers the year old Boney got his toes toasted at Moscow. Look, my brother-in-law, Joey, you know, happens to be a very educated man. College man? No, no, graduated from the United States Army. He's now a mechanical-type engineer. Look, anyway, once he told me Napoleon was in Moscow in 1812. Yes, your brother-in-law was correct. But, Mr. Temple, that would make this guy Horton over over 150 years old. Mm, I'm afraid it would. A guy over 150 years old is dead. So what's Horton doing walking around, huh? Well, he may have been too busy to lie down and die. That does not put a twinkle in my eye. Look, Mr. Temple, I want to go home. Louis, there's a what? pattern here of some kind. A pattern for horror. And if that pattern is to mean anything, I... Hey, Louis. Huh? That closet there. Yeah, it's a closet. Yeah. Yeah, suppose we open it. 
In fact, I don't like to mention this, but in all old families, you know what they keep in closets? They keep skeleton in closets. Temple of Hurt. He, 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 it fell down. Yeah. No skeleton, however. That I can see for myself. Fortunate thing, on the whole. Why, what's fortunate about it? Well, with a skeleton, you could never tell whether or not its throat had been cut. His throat has been cut? Yeah, barely. Let's go take a trip someplace. Let's go. Wait, what? Haven't you realized something else? I don't think I want to. This man here is dressed just as we are, not in the costume of a dead age. Well, it didn't help him any. Oh, you found something? Yeah. Long brown hair is clinging to his clothes and... Uh-huh. Various papers. Yeah. In life, Louis, his name was Charles Gray. He was a lawyer. Oh, the Bar Association ain't gonna like this. Maybe something else. What? He was carrying this document, Louis. Yeah, what is it? A copy of the last will of one Samuel Hawthorne. Hawthorne? Him we didn't meet yet. No. There's lots of closets we haven't opened yet, either. Yeah, we're not going to if I can help it. Well, what does the will say? And you better read fast because all them candles, you know, are beginning to give up. Uh, I, Samuel Hawthorne, being sound of mind and body, do hereby make this my last will and testament. It is my desire that all my heirs in time to come, in order to inherit my vast fortunes, must at least once a year open Hawthorne House and there give a ceremonial dinner to the neighboring gentry. In costume? Yeah. Uh-huh. At this dinner, everyone present must wear clothing of my time. Uh-huh, yeah. My heirs must be of high moral repute and avoid divorces. Obviously, the dead man here, Mr. Charles Gray, was the lawyer in charge of the estate and presumably came here to make sure the terms of the will were met. Okay, so now we know the ghosts weren't really ghosts. Yeah, but what? We haven't seen any of them. It's true. Nor any neighboring gentry. However, that stipulation was probably way... Yeah, look, Mr. Templer, you know, we'd we better maybe get the police. Yeah, there aren't any phones around here, Louie. Couldn't we walk to Glenville? No, Louie, I, I think we're here for the night. Oh, fine, fine. It's right in with that patent for horror you mentioned. Oh, all I personally need right now is for someone to scream, good and loud. And... <laughs> Mr. Templer, this makes the second time we've searched the house and found nothing. That was a woman screaming, Louis. Maybe it was a ghost. Ghosts aren't supposed to scream. They clank chains. Yeah, maybe this here ghost didn't know that. What, back to the dining room? Yeah, I suppose. Only room in the house with light. Is that good? Maybe the corpse took a walk. Or... No. Still here. Yeah, he's still dead. Ah, fellas. You having fun? Dressed up like Napoleon, too. Look, he ain't walking very straight. I hate to say I'm inquisitive, but, uh... Oh, Mr. Guy. He starts in a bad way, isn't he? But it's not especially normal. Um, I'm Simon Templer. And you? James Hawthorne, uh, Besides housebreaking, your occupation is what? Oh, you're the same, aren't you? Yes, I am. Oh. You're sitting at larynxes, rather an odd occupation for the same? But it would be if I had cut Mr. Gray's throat. However, um, you're uh, Samuel Hawthorne's heir? Yeah, the current one, yes, sir. You've been snooped. But there was a clause in the will about divorce. You've been over during that snooping. You're married, Mr. Hawthorne? Sorry. 
would have helped supply a motive, I suppose, but I'm not, nor have I ever been fortunate or unfortunate enough to be married. A woman screamed a few moments ago. Uh, who was she? Not in her. You couldn't have failed to if you were in the house. Well, I wasn't. But you must have been. It's been raining out. Your clothes are dry and spotless. Well, to be honest, I wasn't in the house, and never was. You searched the house, I presume? Yes. You overlooked the cellar. I didn't find one. It's a tricky place to get to. The entrance is behind the chimney in the parlor. has something to do with colonial politics, perhaps. At any rate, I was down there. You're fond of selling? Uh, well, when they were equipped with bottles and bottles and bottles of Napoleon brandy, yes. <laughs> uh, now, if you don't mind, I'll sit down. I have another few hours to remain in costume and here in order to comply with the terms of the will. I'm sleepy. I shall, therefore... That's polite. It's more probably brandy. So what do we do? Sit here and listen to him snore? The podium keeps cropping up all the time. Well, suppose we go downstairs and have a look at his bottle. Some staircase down to the cellar. Yeah, it's very narrow. My shoulders keep rubbing against the wall. And a dirty wall, too. Hey, look, the cellar's all lit up. Oh. Candles on barrels. Hey, and lots of barrels, not to mention kegs and casks and everything. Hands up! Yeah, and casks and blondes and... I said hands up! With 42 caliber revolvers. 42? You didn't expect me to be armed, did you? I'm afraid we didn't expect you at all, Miss... Naturally, you would say that. But this isn't going to work out the way you thought. I'm afraid I haven't had any thoughts reason to... Look, Mr. Temple, she's running up the stairs. Yes. Hey. She bolted the door behind her. Oh, Mr. Temple, that was a very solid type of door leading to the cellar. And the cellar is about six miles underneath the ground, and we're locked in. Oh, don't worry, Louie. We'll be released in time. In time for what? A funeral? That girl was beautiful, Louie. She's on the other side of a locked door, so what good is it doing? Huh? I can worry. Oh, this is an occupation for a grown man. Worry about what? The part she's playing in this entire mess. Mr. Temple! Yeah, those were shots. Did they answer your question? Hardly. We don't know who shot at whom. The girl had a revolver. Yeah, so she had. Still locked? Yeah, still locked. Now, don't bother, Louie. Yes. No one will answer. Oh. May as well go down again and make ourselves comfortable. Yeah. For how long? 20 years? What I'll be silly, Louie. You got an optimistic thought? We'd never last 20 years down here. You know something, Mr. Templer? Hmm? I'm beginning to feel aged in the wood. <laughs> you better restrain yourself. Hmm. We've only been down here half an hour, perhaps. Hmm. Hey, hey, the Marines have landed. Yeah. Now, let's get another bottle. Get another bottle. Oh, yeah. Definitely an amphibious operation. Good for that guy. Oh, Mr. Templer. Templer, huh? Well, not exactly. Ah, very naughty of you. Don't mind admitting that's why I'm here myself. Need another bottle of brandy. Don't know what happened to that one upstairs. It, it's all empty. Must have evaporated, huh? Oh, perhaps those shots frightened it out of the bottle. Well, you have them, too. Yeah. I had them myself, you know? Matter of fact, I'm violating no confidence when I tell you those shots were fired at me. Whoever shot at you couldn't have had very good aim. Fortunately for me, no. Carl, dear cousin Carla, 
It happens to be, and I permit myself to be vulgar. A lousy Martian. Or, or should I say Martian woman? Carla being blonde and beautiful. Oh, you marry her. She's next in line for Samuel Hawthorne's pretty little fortune, you know. If I should happen to be disqualified or, or dead. Well, you have your bottles. So First, you go upstairs, hmm? An idea. Let me take this. Staircase. Last two walls. Comes off from one's shoulders, huh? Can you rub it off, either? Back in the forest. Mr. Temple, you have a reputation for these things. Who cut Mr. Gray's throat? A murderer. Oh, very quickly, but, uh, but why? It was Mr. Gray's task to see to it that the provisions of the will were observed. His death, therefore, must have had something to do with that. You're a bachelor? Indeed I am. Was he? No. A pretty little wife. Oh, she'll be decent. As a matter of fact, Really thinking about her grief makes me think Therefore, touching this bottle, and I hope you won't think me too terribly selfish, I shall toddle off to Betty by a dusty bed, perhaps, but it's almost morning. Uh, hey, good night, Charlie. Him, I am very glad to see go. But how about us? Now we go for the police, Louis, if your cab will start. However... Oh, let's not look for her, huh, Mr. Templer? A girl with all those calibers don't appeal to me. Oh, you're being narrow-minded, Louis. After all those shots, how many calibers can she have left? It's wet out, it's cold, it's dark, but do I mind? No. Out here, at least, no ghosts. No corpses, neither. Louis. What? Look. Oh, the other cab. Let's have a look, Louie. Hmm. Oh, I didn't like that. Hmm. Should I take a look, too? You might as well. Okay. I'll take... Wow, wow, wow. The frightened cab driver, Mr. Temple. Yes, except that nothing will frighten him anymore. Mr. Temple, this here's not a healthy neighborhood for throats. His has been cut, too. Yes, same technique as used on Gray. Louie, we've got to get back to the house. You don't like our throats the way they are? Come along, Louie. No time to go to Glenville. There's lots of time. In which a murderer may kill again. Oh, let's change a few subjects, huh? Very well. Yeah, I've got three questions, Louis. Why did the cab driver, whose body we've just seen, lie to us? Why did Carla think she was in danger from us? And can a bachelor be divorced? The answer to the last one, I know, he can't. Right. Therefore, we know who the murderer is, don't we? <laughs> That dog. Yeah, we know about him, too, don't How we? How do we know about him? You remember I mentioned the long brown hairs clinging to Gray's clothes? Yeah. Now, those hairs must have come from the dog we saw. The dog, therefore, belonged to Gray. Oh, uh-huh. Mr. Temple, yes. down the hall in that alcove? Yeah. If I move quickly. Oh, no. Don't let go of me. Hello, Carla. Going to run away? No. But I won't let go of the gun. Oh, yes, you will. It's much too heavy for you. Ow. Ah, just come along with us. All right. You don't try anything. I won't, except for catching a killer. A killer? But what... Mm, we want the dining room. Yeah. Everybody back so soon? Nearly everyone, Mr. Hawthorne. Oh, I'm glad you've got Carla's gun, Mr. Templer. She might not miss me again. 
We don't know that it was she who shot at you, do we, Carla? Why? Uh, it would be easy to discover if this gun has been fired recently. Well, maybe I did shoot at him, but I... There's something else that should come first. Charles Gray was murdered in this house earlier tonight. Why? Both you, Mr. Hawthorne, and Carla covered a fortune. That's why you're both here. Yeah, Mr. Templer. Louis, all Mr. Hawthorne had to do was spend the night here in appropriate costume and also refrain from appearing in a divorce case. A bachelor can appear in a divorce case, can't he, Mr. Hawthorne? Mm. You found the papers for the divorce suit on Gray. Any me as correspondent, eh? He was always so touchy about his wife. I didn't find him. Doesn't matter, however. I knew they or something like them had to exist. On the other hand, if Horton, the ghost butler we found serving dinner earlier this evening, is really insane, you're trying to pin the murder on him? He left the house in time to have committed him. Mm. He's usually a motive, you know. Mr. Hawthorne, which murder are you talking about? A, uh, a Gray's murder, naturally. No. Because Horton wouldn't have had to leave the house to kill him. Gray was murdered in this room. But you accepted my statement about having to leave the house to murder. They're both talking about the cab driver's murder, aren't they? What cab driver? The one who brought Gray here, the one who saw Gray murdered, the one who fled and then thought things over and decided to return for a little exercise in blackmail. Yeah, Mr. Temple, you said he lied to us, but what about? You remember, Louis, he told us he'd looked into the dining room through the front window and had seen that ghost at dinner? Mm-hmm. You also remember, however, that when we got to the house... Yeah, we looked in the front window, too. Yes. Yeah, and all we could see through it was the chandeliers in the ceiling. I said so myself. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The cabbie lied. And died for it. Look, I haven't been outside the house all evening. You must have been. You claimed you were in the cellar when we first met. Yes. That's why you didn't hear Carla scream. But the cellar stairway is narrow. It's impossible to avoid getting plaster on your shoulders. Plaster that can't be rubbed off. And yet when we first met, I remarked that your clothes were spotless. They should have been wet. Nonsense. You'd had time to change from your ordinary clothes. You didn't think of rubbing plaster on the costume, however. <laughs> Too bad. You might then have applied to the scarlet of murder a coat of whitewash. I was hiding in the cellar because James had threatened me. You see, I knew Mr. Gray was going to sue his wife for a divorce and name James. And if he did, you would inherit all the Hawthorne money? Yes. I was terrified that he would kill me. I see. Tell me about Horton, Carl. Poor Horton has been hired every year for the occasion. He's very, very old. Now tell me about you, Simon. <laughs> well, I... Mr. I... Templer, I don't mean to interrupt you and Miss Carla, but it's... Uh, Louie, yeah? you don't have the ghost of a chance. <laughs> have been listening to another transcribed adventure of The Saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. Now here is our star. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at the same time for another exciting adventure of The Saint. Good night. This script of The Saint was written by Louis Vitties. In the cast, you heard Adrian Martin as Carla and Edmund McDonald as Jane. Tudor Owen was the butler. Fred Shields, the cab driver. Louis is played by Larry Dodson. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is a James L. Safier production that is directed by Helen Mack. Vincent Price is soon to be seen co-starring in RKO's production of His Kind of Woman. Your announcer, Don Stanley. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Whether it's comedy, music, or drama you're after, you'll find it on the big show today. And today also means a one-hour adaptation 
of F. Scott Fitzgerald's exciting novel, This Side of Paradise, presented by Theater Guild on the Air and starring Richard Widmark and Nina Forrest. April is Cancer Control Month. Guard your family against cancer by joining the 1951 Cancer Crusade. Measure your generous contribution to cancer, care of your local post office. Hear the cast of Green Pastures today on NBC. Thanks for listening. I hope you're with me tomorrow night for The Whistler, followed by My Favorite Husband. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.